Welcome to Meanwhile in Memphis, where New Memphis is celebrating our city by providing a weekly window into the ways Memphians are solving problems, looking forward, and successfully shaping the community. Good morning, Memphis. Uh, I am Anna Mullins-Ellis. I'm here with my teammate and friend, Christy Mullen. Hello. And this is your weekly episode of Meanwhile in Memphis. If this is your first time joining us, we are on WYXR Radio every Tuesday morning at 8 a.m. Uh, we are also, this content is available as a podcast, which you can get uh, wherever you get your podcasts. Um, but every week we come to you with a, a full hour of content all about Memphis. We are here talking with folks who are innovating to solve problems in Memphis, um, really people who are just looking forward and thinking about how do we shape uh, a brighter future for our city. Um, and today, Christy, what is our topic? Yeah, so guys, Teacher Appreciation Week, big week coming up next week. So today we are actually having an education-packed episode. We will first up have Dr. Patrick Washington, who is the founder and CEO of Man Up. And a little later, we will get to speak with a local educator and past winner of several New Memphis awards, such as Educator of Excellence, uh, C.J. Harris. So it's a jam-packed episode of great educators and people helping educators in our community. Yeah, and I think that um, this Teacher Appreciation Week hits a little different. Um, I, you know, <laughs> I, my my bit for the last year, um, as we've all been dealing with the COVID crisis, has been it's like a tough time to be running a nonprofit, <laughs> but yes. it's a tougher time to be um, teaching. It's a tougher mm-hmm. time to be um, running a, a restaurant, perhaps. But I do, you know, as we've talked with teachers this year, they have been just thrown so many curveballs from, you know, trying to adapt to virtual learning to making sure their kids have the resources to learn virtually to going back to the classroom, but not quite in the, like the same way. Um, so I just, I hope that, you know, we are all thinking a little harder about the work that our teachers do in Memphis and how we can all as a community be supportive. Um, so speaking of being supportive of teachers, <laughs> um, you may not know, if you know anything about New Memphis, we are, again, as I said, an organization that is focused on um developing, uh, empowering leaders across our city to, to make a better future for Memphis. That is what we do every day. I'm like, we, preach. <laughs> <laughs> it is. It's, it's very fulfilling work. Um, so, you know, we are working with leaders across all different sectors. Um, we're thinking about, you know, the reality that Memphis needs great talent. Mm-hmm. We need great leaders in every corner of our community. Um, and that really is no more true than it is in the education sector. Um, so I, I always encourage people when they think about teaching, you know, I find that especially on teacher appreciation, we get sort of a like, yep, like, you know, give them an apple, say thanks, um, kind of <laughs> as if <laughs> as if it's a hobby, yes. um, as if anyone could do it. And I'm here to tell you that great teachers are excellent at what they do. Yeah. And it is work that they um, are developing every day. They are investing in themselves. They are thinking about um, – not just how to show up to a classroom, but how to literally like, I mean, gosh, I'm going to throw out lots of cliches on this episode <laughs> about education, but children are the future, Christy. I mean, it's true. <laughs> cliches. It's true. Children are the future and educators are shaping that future. So you I'm know, here for it. And in our city, um, you know, as we're talking about um, the issues that our cities face, um, the the challenges that we're all kind of working to um, to tackle, all of those all of those issues can be solved mm-hmm. through education. Um, so, you know, you've heard us speak on uh, on this on this uh, radio program and podcast about everything from early childhood education to um, K through 12 to um, local collegians. We, we understand that this is um, truly important. So we believe at New Memphis that one of the keys is developing, activating, retaining, 
recruiting great yes. teachers into our city and into our classrooms. So we run a couple of programs that offer professional development and leadership development to educators. Um, yes, teachers are young professionals, right? If you are um, in our city and you, you know, have graduated from college recently and you're starting your career, you know, we want to embrace those teachers as professionals who need, again, the experience, the mentorship, um, the ability to think about how do they continue to develop. Um, so we offer a program called Stride, yes. which we're going to talk a little bit more at the end of the program. But um, Stride is a year-long academic year program for teachers who are in their first, second, or third year in the classroom because we know that those are some of the more challenging years for a teacher. Mm -hmm. They are drinking from a fire hose. <laughs> they are learning on the job. Teaching can be a very isolating profession. Yeah. Um, you're alone in a classroom most of the time. So making sure that they have access to peer mentors with other teachers. Uh, we try to deliver great best practice from the corporate sector. So um, somebody who understands, you know, how to build great culture, how to be resilient on the job, how to manage stress. Um, those are all things that every professional needs, but we know um, is sort of acutely needed in the education space. So it is there for support for early career teachers with the, you know, all of the outcomes are how do we make sure they're teaching at their best, but also how do we make sure that they stay in teaching <laughs> past those <laughs> yes. first few years? You would be shocked um, at the number of teachers who end up leaving the profession in those first three years, yeah. um, you know, Teacher turnover is a huge issue. It is. Um, it means that we don't have enough teachers. It means that many of our teachers are new, so not you know not as experienced. Um, and it also costs us a ton of money. So um, that work has is is really important to to us at New Memphis and, and us personally. And so um, we also have lots of other supports for teachers and and school leaders and principals um, from our Embark program for young professionals. We love having teachers in that program. We. Um, run a program called the Principal Booster Shot, which is where we offer uh, workshops to principals. So if you are an educator, if you know an educator, I certainly encourage you to go to newmemphis.org to learn a little bit more. All of those programs are free yeah. um, because of the generous support of, of um, our, our funders and uh, philanthropists in the city who understand how hugely important um, education is to our city. So that is me that I will step off of my soapbox. <laughs> it's um, a wonderful soapbox to be on. Though. It is. And, you know, I, our, our two guests today are just, you know, talking about great talent and mm -hmm. amazing teachers. Like this, this is what Prime it looks examples. like. examples. Um, and, it, it, and you will hear both of them talk about all of the ways in which they've been investing in themselves, developing themselves, because um, it is a journey. And we're just, we're so lucky as a, as a city to have <laughs> both of them here. Um, and I think, you know, the, at the very at the very center of Teacher Appreciation Week, I hope that everybody listening can both appreciate, you know, if you've got kids in school, you know, please say thank you to mm -hmm. their teachers. Um, but I hope, if nothing else, that you understand um, how gifted and these these people are and how challenging their career can be um, and that we are, as a community, doing everything we can to create additional supports that we're um, – we're paying them more money yes. <laughs> that we are um, <laughs> building systems that work for them. So, okay, I got back on the soapbox. I said I was <laughs> no, getting off, and then I just hopped right okay. back on. I mean, we've all been impacted by teachers, right? I can think of the teachers who have impacted my whole trajectory of, like, being a young kid and, like, changed my mind and opened my eyes to things. So I think that's the part we forget about is that teachers are something that touch everybody's life almost. Like, 
I know you, we'd I, hope so. Yeah, right. Like, I mean, I could share stories. You could share stories. I guarantee you anyone you ask that has been in a classroom could share a story about a teacher that has impacted them. Um, I still get a birthday card from my second grade teacher. She sends <laughs> one to all of us. Every student she's ever had. Oh, wow. She sends and mails a birthday card. She messages me on Facebook each year to confirm my address is still the same. Handwrites a little note. Like just things like that where teachers care so much. And as you'll hear today on the episode, they do it because they love it. It's obviously not about the money for them because Lord knows they don't get paid enough. So I don't know. That's what I'm so excited about this episode. And I'm not going to talk anymore because we've talked enough. But let's roll into the episode. All right. Let's hear from Dr. Patrick Washington. All right, guys, Dr. Patrick Washington is here with us. He is the founder and CEO of Man Up, which is a local organization that is working to give students in high poverty, urban and rural communities, particularly male students of color, access to high quality male teachers and advancing policies that promote equity in K through 12 schools. That is a mouthful of things you guys are doing. Thank <laughs> you for being here. Just a small little project. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Not ambitious at all. Absolutely. But hey, thank you all for having me. And uh, um, yeah, thanks. It's uh, exciting. Exciting work, particularly in the in the climate in which we're in, uh, with uh, all of the um, I guess efforts to in, in improve our our world and uh, particularly our country as a whole. And so, yeah, we're excited about the work of Man Up and excited to be here this morning to talk more about uh, what we're doing and uh, how we're. Um, propelling Memphis forward <laughs> with this great movement. I'm so excited to have you here. No, thrilled. To, I was just saying was before we started recording that um, I, I, I've been so eager to check in on your work because I knew. So you started this a little a little over three years ago, yes? Yeah, three years ago. Um, you know, we were fortunate to um, get the support of some local philanthropists who uh, became aware of the work that uh, we were doing. And it's funny. I was called out of the blue to a meeting at Crosstown uh, to discuss uh, early child, the early, um, basically it was, there were philanthropists who were discussing, you know, basically where to put their money in mm-hmm. terms of uh, improving <laughs> education. Like that's a great conversation to be yeah. a part of. Um, and and there was a question that came up and I was called to say, hey, are you available to come over? We want to have some questions and, you know, with your education background, you know, be instrumental in uh, helping us make decisions. And in the process of talking about uh, the impact that, um, you know, financial contributions can make to early childhood education, uh, one of the gentlemen in the room had heard about uh, my uh, desire to start a teacher pipeline for men of color. And that just organically came up. And I walked out of the room having uh, influenced the, uh, their gifting to organizations that were focused on early childhood education and also seed money to start man up. So it was a great day for education. <laughs> Indeed, yeah. Yeah. Well, tell us, so Christy obviously gave us the sort of log line of what man up is and what they do, but talk a little bit more about the, the need, right? Mm-hmm. So this, this notion of developing a pipeline of, of diverse male teachers. Yep. Um, so why does that matter? Um, and, you know, what is the opportunity? Yeah, absolutely. Well, it matters because we all know the research is clear and we know from being in the best country in the world that uh, all of us are, we benefit when there's diversity in the room, when there's diversity of thought, diversity of representation across race and ethnicity. Uh, and when you look at the statistic and consider the fact that only 2% of the teachers in this color are black men. And, uh, you know, when you look at men of color as a whole, uh, including the Latinx community in uh, Asian community, uh, our numbers are not at 5% in this country. And, mm-hmm. and to us, that is a tremendous, uh, that is one, unacceptable. 
and then it presents to us as an organization a tremendous opportunity to change and improve that. Uh, you know, there's this notion that teaching is a, is a job for women. And um, I'm, you know, coming from an ed- a background, uh, coming from a family of educators, beginning with my great grandfather, who was born a slave, but became literate. And um, those who he, the property that he lived on, and at one time, he was their property. Uh, he, you know, he was allowed to teach others to read. Uh, I have a picture of him. I'm inspired by you know, just just his face and just looking in his eyes and wondering, you know, one, uh, the courage that he had to, uh, you know, to take on that challenge because that was dangerous work, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, even though, you know, he was, quote, unquote, given permission to do that, let's be honest, that was dangerous to do. Yeah. Um, and then there, you know, I mean, you know, when folks ask me, you know, why would he even want to do that? And I believe it was because he saw my mother, who was a first college graduate, who was his great, you know, his granddaughter. And then my siblings. Um, and so I just felt that it was a personal responsibility to one, change the narrative about who should teach, who can teach, and who and what excellent and excellence in teaching looks like. And uh all at this and at the same time elevate the narrative for teachers as a whole. I think if there's anything that uh, the pandemic has done, it has it made all of us, particularly those of us who are parents, realize that hey. Um, I, I love my two daughters, but to be <laughs> home with them all day for yeah. years, like no. <laughs> and so, um, you know, we're we're able to elevate and change the narrative about you know great teaching and, and bring awareness to the fact that there is very very little representation uh, when it comes to men of color in classrooms. Yeah. And, you know, so. Whenever like when I started researching what you guys do and kind of you know who you were, I stopped and thought about my own experience growing Mm -hmm. up. I mean, I went to the public school system, but still I had very few male teachers, period. Mm -hmm. And that like male of color teacher is even less. Um, So I think, you know, it's important, like you said, for people and children to see people like them. It's like they understand an experience that someone else may not. Absolutely. And so it's very honorable what you guys are doing for sure. Well, what does the data show us in terms of the impact on the student, student achievement, you know, as you were pushing more, creating a greater pipeline of of teachers of color? Like how does that, how does that have influence on a student's day to day? Yeah, well, there are two studies that are are probably uh, referenced more than others. And one uh, is a John Hopkins study that was actually done in the, uh, the, the School of Economics where it showed that you know, teach, students of color who have teachers of color are significantly more likely to finish high school uh, and to go on to college. I believe the number that they quoted was about 32%. Um, and so you know, with that, if you graduate from high school and go on to college, then you're less likely to engage in criminal activity. You're mm-hmm. less likely to end up uh, incarcerated. And, and ultimately, you're, you're, if you, you, know, you finish high school and get a college degree, you can then in turn uh, you know, support your community and uh, and help transform the community. So, the economics department saw it as a as an economic need and, a, and a, to address this significant uh, lack of representation in schools. And then there was a study about two years ago where they looked at third through fifth grade students in uh, Tennessee and North Carolina, uh, and it showed that students, particularly third through fifth grade students, boys in particular, um, had greater academic uh, achievement when they had uh, a male teacher and a teacher of color. Um, and ultimately, we know that there's a, there are a number of studies out there that show when students are uh, proficient at reading in third and fourth grade, then they're more likely to finish high school as well. And so there, I mean, and those are just two of the most um, 
I guess uh, frequent uh, two of the uh, studies that are probably referenced more than others, but there are a number of them where it showed just it's just clear uh, for male, female, uh, across race and ethnic lines that when you have um, a diverse teaching staff, that there's a there's a tendency to have a climate that is obviously more inclusive. Uh, student referrals, uh, even, you know, discipline data, because, mm-hmm. you know, it's about being able to, you know, when you're in a space where uh, you can relate to others while all at the same time you're able to, you know, good teachers are able to broaden this circle where their students recognize that we're not all the same uh, in the sense of our experiences, but we are all the same because we're connected by, you know, we're human beings, mm-hmm. right? And um, and so with all of those studies in mind, we continue to gather them and uh, use them as as a, a means to uh, garner support for this kind of work and work that's similar to that in this country. Because, you know, that when you think about all of the conversations that are happening right now about how are we going to recover the learning that was lost due to the pandemic? Well, one, we know that you cannot replace uh, the school experience. You know, virtual is, is a great tool but it cannot replace that uh, experience that happens within the school building. Uh, But when you get kids back to school, we also have seen, which is a troubling, um, uh, some troubling numbers. They vary because so much uh, research is coming that is new, but the number of teachers who were eligible to retire before COVID and those who chose to Mm. retire now that COVID Uh is hit because of their health rate, there's going to be a teacher, there's a teacher need throughout this country anyway. So we're bringing kids back. And let's be honest, here's another caveat to that or another conversation worth having. It was, sadly, most of our schools weren't performing before COVID. Mm. So in, in this whole idea of returning to normal, I think we need to dismiss that because normal wasn't working. Mm-hmm. But at the end of the day, you still have to have great teachers in the school. And so, you know, it doesn't matter. I mean, male, male, female, black, white, doesn't matter. You need great teachers in the school. And then when you couple that with the fact that there's so many men in general, who don't consider teaching, they don't even think about going into teaching for a number of reasons. You know, there's a tremendous opportunity. There's a uh, that for us to, you know, change that narrative, uh, really put it on the forefront of everyone's mind that you know teachers one are important. Uh, having a diverse teaching staff uh, at, at a school has great impact on other teachers as well as students, and it's work that is absolutely necessary. We're going to strengthen the. Uh, our overall uh, uh, country and, uh, you know, really uphold, uh, you know, what democracy is and uh, what our country stands for in in terms of inclusion and diversity. Uh, We're the best country in the world. So we got to make sure that we don't leave education out of that conversation. And so Man Up is attempting to do that. So it's exciting. exciting. So (laughs) tell us, I mean, that's the big vision. Tell us what the day-to-day is. How do you do this work? Are you... That was going to be my question. So I'm so curious. So, I mean, I I know a little bit more than than I'm sure the listeners do, but are you recruiting teachers? Are you developing teachers? Are you doing all of the above? All of the above. So we started, you mentioned uh, two, three years ago uh, with 10 guys. Our goal was to recruit and place and support uh, an additional men of color in pre-K through 12 classrooms in Memphis by 2023. We're on path to exceeding that. We currently have 54 men who are teaching in over 20 schools throughout the city of Memphis and Shelby County. A majority of them are in charter schools, but we have a number who are also in Shelby County schools, none in the municipality so far. I'm in the process of, of finalizing our next cohort of 30 men. 
My goal is to uh, max out at 30 in each city. Currently, we're only in Memphis. A number of conversations happening throughout the country. Uh, and I hopefully get to talk about, you know, how that we can make that happen later. Yeah. Um, and, you know, and so, uh, you know, we add an additional 30 to the 54. We're well on track to exceeding that number of 100. Uh, and my day to day includes uh, everything from, um, you know, finalizing, um, you know, uh, recommendations from those who are in the in the interview process to having conversations with school, um, you know, local charters and, and charter management organizations and district officials about, you know, how we can recruit other men uh, to, t to teaching, to, you know, determining, you know, what supports are needed for the fellows who are currently in schools, uh, you know, what coaching and support should look like, to, to obviously funding and how do we, you know, are there opportunities to change our um uh, you know, funding to even have greater impact and how do we secure more funding to, uh, you know, conversations. My calendar today includes <laughs> conversations with uh, attorneys from around the country who are uh, interested in another one of our pathways in the teaching um, that my plan is to roll out called reverse, where I want to reverse the school to prison pipeline by mm -hmm. uh, identifying young men with misdemeanor charges that are expungeable and put them on the path to getting a college degree and then us when they become teachers mm. um, to, you know, an organization out of Pensacola, Florida, who wants to support, but they're a nonprofit. And they're like, is it in it? We have an education platform with great resources and tools that school districts pay for. We would like to offer the services to man up for free. Maybe your fellows can use those tools to make them uh, greater teachers in the classroom. So it's like literally uh, a broad spectrum of, of everything to also Having conversation with colleagues because you know I um, you know I am the founding principal of Promise Academy Spring Hill. I opened the school in tw in 2014 as a part of the Achievement School District, and so for my colleagues who are, st are still running the schools, I you know I'm still conversing with them about uh, a, a myriad of a great plethora of, of items as well. But it's all about improving schools and making sure that kids uh, have a great school experience and they're gonna um, uh, you know be uh, reach their greatest potential. And so that's man up in a day. Uh, it's a busy and, day. I was about to say, yeah. it's just a casual I'm day. feeling tired. Yeah. It's like, okay. I just think it's really cool because you guys are really focusing on the root of the issues yep. instead of the side effects of those issues. You're really mm -hmm. trying to tackle what's happening. And a lot of that, like you said, is funding. So speaking of funding, like how I segued there. Yeah, uh, I love you guys, it. I love it. You're skilled. You're I right, see that. I like you. that. <laughs> um, no, but you guys were recently on the Kelly Clarkson show yep. where you received a very generous gift. Yep. Uh, let our listeners know what it was you guys received and just kind of what was that experience like? Yeah, so we were excited. It's funny that um, I was in Midtown. I had just left work and I pulled over into this gas station. I started getting these alerts <laughs> to my phone. And, and, and you know, it was, it was a tech glitch, I guess, somewhere because I think it was in October. And suddenly I started getting these notifications that I had emails, and I mean, uh, voicemails. And mm -hmm. some of them were, were from back in September. And one said that this is, um, I think, David from the this Kelly. This is Kelly Clark. Yeah, yeah I know. And I'm like, this has to be a prank. I'm like, there's no way. Like, yeah. This is David from the Kelly. And so and I played it, and I, I was like, okay. So I text the number, and the guy texted me and said, yeah, man, we're shooting right now. I have to call you back later. I'm like, okay. <laughs> he calls back, and he's like, yeah, man, this is uh, Kelly Clark. I'm like, okay. Like, we would love to see you on the show. We uh, came across your story. Um, you know, and we, we, Kelly's excited about it because, you know, her mom was an educator. Mm -hmm. I was like, okay, still a bit, you know, skeptical. There's right. a lot of stuff <laughs> out there. I mean, you know, hey, we, we get scam calls and emails all the time. 
And then I get an email from NBC Universal. I said, like, okay, so it's real. Now it's legit. Right, it's, We're legit. Good. it's legit. It's legit. It's legit. And so obviously we went through all of the processes of uh, you know, uh, you know, media releases and yeah. everything. And uh and we were featured uh, February one, which we thought was very um uh, you know, it was important, obviously, because February being Black History mm-hmm. Month and being featured on the first show in February. Uh, and, you know, she, uh, you know, generously, you know, we were like, it cost us approximately $20,000 uh, now that, you know, some of the tuitions are, are, are creeping up, but about $20,000 to uh, support a fellow with his master's degree and our mm-hmm. certification and coaching and support. And we also support them to pass the praxis exam, mm-hmm. which is a required exam. And only 63% yeah. of teachers of color who take it pass it. Oh, wow. Yeah, that's another. We also offer that as well. But uh, and so she was like, hey, uh, you know, Kelly, we, I want to give you 10000 and our friends over at Big Lots wants to give you ten. So, hey, we got one fellow, yeah. right? It's like, wow, okay. So that was, uh, you know, again, uh, one, we were appreciative of the, the fact that obviously when you have access to over, uh, you know, two million viewers, you know, that mm. in, in and of itself was um, a great win for Man Up. Only slightly more than this podcast. Yeah. <laughs> Just a little a similar bit. similar audience. Yeah. <laughs> And uh, and then t- uh, a week later, she was like, hey, I'm going to have Dr. Jill Biden on, and I would love you to be a part of that conversation. And I was like, hey, yeah, of course, I'd love to be a part You're of like, that You're like, I'll see if my schedule yeah, allows see, it. Yeah. I'll get back with you. I'll get back with you. <laughs> he let another four weeks lapse yeah. before he called Jill Biden. <laughs> Make it and, hard to get. <laughs> yeah, and uh, it was exciting to hear just in a real, uh, you know, Dr. Biden, obviously, she was aware who was going to be on the show. That's my assumption. I said, yeah, I know, I know. I'm familiar with Man Up. I'm like, okay, that's great. And so we're hoping to have her. Uh, lead a session, one of our virtual sessions oh, in the wow. fall. Wow! And so, of course, we'll let y'all know. Uh, yes. We're able to, you know, finalize that as well uh, because she has a she's very committed to education. She's a uh, an adjunct college professor mm-hmm. as well, and I am also. So, uh, we we think we have uh, a great opportunity to continue the discussion at a national level. Well, tell us a little bit about. You mentioned that you. Uh, were a school leader. You yep. ran a school. Mm-hmm. Um, how did just your personal journey? I know your mm-hmm. the inspiration of your grandfather um, helped inspire you yep. to pursue education. But how did you get to where you are today? Wow, uh, I, I feel very fortunate and blessed to you know with all of the many crazy things that I did as a kid and the mistakes <laughs> that I made even as an adult. You know, I knew early on that I wanted to teach. And I was just thinking, you know, I mean, I just knew it. And even though there were many conversations that I had with, uh, you know, people in the community and, you know, even friends and colleagues, I remember this one person in particular, uh, my first year teaching and my wife who I met in first grade, it's another story. <laughs> That's a, lo- a story a lo- I yeah, need to yeah, hear. Yeah, okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah and uh, she was like, y'all are never going to make any money. And I, and it, took, it, it always took me back to a conversation I had with my mother, who was also a teacher. I was the youngest of seven, so my journey to school every day for at least part of my school experience, it was riding to work with my mom, mm. right? And this when you know, in Mississippi, teachers still, unfortunately, I think, they get paid once a month, mm. right? One check a month. And this particular um, day, it was at the end of the month, she had a check, and we were sitting in the drive through at Merchants and Farmers Bank, which is a small bank in Ashland, Mississippi, and she was, you know, it was the days before, you know, mobile banking. She was completing all of her paperwork to deposit her check. And I was like, Mom, let me see how much money you make. Let me see how much money you make. And I was like literally begging her, like, show me your check, show me. And she was just really uh, in tune to what she was doing. She's like, no, nah, no. Nah. And then she said, here. And then I, I looked, and it was like 1200 bucks or something like that for the month. 
And I was like, wow, that's a lot of money. <laughs> <laughs> and you know, without without hesitation, you know, she with um she took the check back and not concerned about being grammatically correct, she said, That ain't why I do it. Mm-hmm. And while that was so simple, but yet it was profound, I think I, I was I was stunned, and I believe it was even perhaps even a bit of uh, intellectual paralysis, right? Because I was more no more than like eight or nine, if that old. And I was like, I thought you worked to get paid. Right. <laughs> but I didn't, you know, and I think it was leaving that open-ended question with, hope, with hopes that I would discover, maybe not teaching, but discover that my why in life could, shouldn't be motivated by money. Yeah. Uh, although money is important, yes. don't get me wrong, but, but financial it, gains not yeah, the only. It's not thing, the, right? like it should be inspired by something much bigger, much greater mm-hmm. than that. And and I discovered by observing her and, and my dad, who was a he was an educator in his own right. He was a he was a pastor for many years in Brownsville, Tennessee, and he was a business uh, a person who was into antiques and and that kind of thing. And both of them genuinely loved what they did. And uh, I think for me and my siblings, it made us uh, pursue life. Uh, purpose and passion first. Like, what is it that you would do for free? Mm-hmm. Uh, and you know, and then if you become good at it, then ultimately, then you would probably be compensated for it, hopefully. And so, with that in mind, I went to Mississippi State, uh, knowing that I wanted to be a teacher. Um, and I'll forgive you. I went to Ole Miss, but okay. It's okay. Well, see, I'm, I'm coming there. I'm, I'm coming there. Right? <laughs> so after graduating, I, I got a job here in Memphis at Evans Elementary School as a fourth grade teacher. Uh, I was initially hired as a science teacher, but there was a, another teacher on staff who had more, more tenure, and she wanted to be the science teacher, so they gave me her class. Mm. I just found uh, a, a, a video clip of my very first class, me teaching a lesson. Uh, we found some old videotapes, <laughs> and I took it to this company here in Memphis, and they converted it to digital content. And, man, it's me teaching my first class at probably my second week on the job. That's and, so cool. uh, and I hope those kids forgive me. Um, <laughs> And yeah, so from there, I knew I also, I was like, okay, I'm going to, I want to keep going. So I enrolled that same uh, semester. I got a job. I started February of 98. I enrolled in University of Memphis for a semester. Mm-hmm. And I transferred to Ole Miss after the semester and uh, <laughs> continued to teach. Uh, I taught for five years before I became a part of, um, I was the first cohort of new leaders. And I think new oh, Memphis. Oh, amazing. I was we love fir- new leaders. Uh, yep. I was the first cohort. So um, nice. there were nine of us. And I, th- I was the second youngest in the group, I think, at that time. I was, uh, And so after going through that experience, I was uh, selected by Dr. Johnson at the time to be the principal of Georgia Avenue Elementary. Uh, I was the youngest principal in Memphis, believe it, at that time. I was 26 years old. Wow. Um, and I stayed at Georgia Avenue for three years. And then I uh, had a, a unique opportunity to go back home where I was the first elected super- black superintendent uh, in Benton County, which was my home community. And so um, I was there for four years. I came back to Memphis, and then I, I, I actually worked for New Leaders. I launched the Emerging Leaders Program, which was a program for teacher leaders to help them develop their adult and instructional leadership skills. Mm-hmm. And I matriculated with my first cohort into the Aspiring Principals Program, which is a principal pipeline program that New, New Leaders used to run. I think they still do, uh, but they've kind of changed their model. And... Um, you know, after doing that for about two years, uh, my wife and I decided, you know, hey, we're going to let's move out of the area. Uh, my parents passed away and I was like, OK, um, let's, let's do something different. And so we 
sold everything and decided that, hey, we're going to go to Texas, go to Dallas. Oh, wow. Uh, but I'd been so engulfed in my work. I was like, it's time for a real vacation. Went to Italy for two weeks. Got an email from... Um, Kelly Clarkson. Not, <laughs> not quite. Not this time. <laughs> from two friends who were like, you know, there's this school, Promise Academy, and, it was, and they were like, hey, going on about Promise Academy, I was like, I'll meet with them. And I tell Tom Beasley and the board now, I tell them, I, I wouldn't have hired me because I, I showed up at the interview. Like, I'm just doing this for a friend. I'm not this interested. Yeah, whatever y'all want to ask me, I'll have all of the answers. And uh, long story short, I ultimately decided to take the job and stay here. And, um, you know, we opened the school and, uh, you know, really we've done some great work, a lot of great work, a lot of uh, real challenges before us. And then in 2018, I, I started Man Up. So that's kind of the yeah, sure. yeah, the snapshot of how I got Did, here. So you just mentioned that you came back to Memphis after, you know, yep. what what makes you stay here? Like what is so important about Memphis and Shelby County that makes Man Up needed here and like your urge to stay? Uh, yeah, I think when you look at the demographics of the city, you know, we are uh, one of the uh, – major uh, cities in the country with, a, you know, over half of our population being minority. Mm -hmm. uh, and when you look at the challenges that our city faces when it comes to crime and uh, and also with uh, academic, you know, the academic performance overall, you know, there's great, we made great progress, but there's still a lot of great work to do. Mm -hmm. uh, it's it's the right in the, in the, in the poverty rate uh, here in our city. It's the it's the it's the right environment to uh, for this kind of work because we believe that we are that change. We believe we're a big part of that change. Um, you know, because Man Up is is while it is a teacher's pipeline, a pipeline for men of color. It's also there are other components as well. You know, I remember you know being a twenty one year old who started out, and most of my my median age is probably like twenty four. I think it is. Mm -hmm. So for these guys, it's also a way of connecting them with resources to help them get their finances in order. And so to connecting them with um, uh, uh, physicians who look like them to help to motivate and encourage them to live a healthy life. Uh, and also to uh, be an example before them to say, hey, man, I'm a father, I'm a husband. And, you know, and, you know, if, if you know, if you are fortunate to be a dad, if you're fortunate to, you know, to, you know, to love someone, you know, to. You know, understand that uh, relationships are complex, and you know you should also. There are also resources out there to help you be the best human being you can be, the best man you can be. So, man up is encompassing of all of that. Yeah. It's really, really comprehensive. And we believe that as we, you know, change the narrative about one, this, there's this other narrative about you know black men and crime, and uh, you know we see what's going on in the news, we see what's going on in our world. That you know, I challenge them every day. You know, you don't represent just yourself. You represent a nation of men who look like you, who uh, deal and live with bias and stereotypes every day. So you make sure that you represent and understand that while this is a great opportunity for you to earn your degree and get your certification at no cost to you, that it isn't about you. It's about all of us. It's about doing our part. And uh, and every day I wake up inspired. Well, I see what's going on in the news and the media, and I see. And I, I'm a big sports fan. Go Grizz! I'm, <laughs> I'm a big sports fan. Um, there are spaces where you know, if uh, again being honest, you know, one of the while we're you know we're a social justice movement. We're about uh, promoting equity in education, and I'm challenging the uh, consciousness of those who are in power to say, hey. Why not support this organization financially? Mm -hmm. You know, we're a philanthropic-run organization. 
And, you know, and, and I, um, every dollar, every, you know, I, I just got a, a, a gift from a, a lady that I didn't know, but a friend, she sent me a little envelope. She was a, I think, 83-year-old lady from Collierville <laughs> sent me this little handwritten note. And it, it said, I, I saw what you do. I love it. And and she's in this handwritten note, and it felt like, it felt like $3 million. Yes. You know, it's like, it felt like that, genuinely. And, you know, I don't know what's like, how far, I believe Man Up can, I want it to be here when I'm gone. Mm-hmm. Uh, but most importantly, I want I want to see, uh, hopefully before my time on earth uh, expires, I want to see a national endowment where if you are a, a male of color, you graduate high school, There's a there are at least 10 scholarships in your city where you can apply for and you'll go to college to be a teacher mm-hmm. with a five-year commitment. I ask my guys to teach five years. It takes you about three years to become great. And so we figure if you yeah. a, a two, an, an additional two years, you uh, uh, really have that in kind of impact that we want. And you know, when I look at you know if 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 we turned on a Grizz game, and ninety eight percent of those players were white, and there was two players that were black, mm-hmm. that would be noticeable, right? I mean, it wouldn't. I wouldn't have to call you and say, "Hey, did you see that?" Uh, if, if that was if that were actually the trend in the NBA and the NFL. You go in schools across this country and you may not see one black person. Mm. And it's not even noticed. When I talk to other black stu- teachers, adults, I'm like, how many men, how many, how many men of color did yeah. you have in your free? And they're like, you know what? And they start thinking about it. And they're like, usually they we begin to encounter men of color in high school, usually the coach, the track team. And all of those positions are important. Don't get me wrong. It's like, but in pre-K through uh eight. Mm-hmm. It's that representation action. is missing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and and people don't even notice it, and so when I talk about changing the narrative and elevate, well, basically elevating or causing this narrative to happen more, like we got to have these conversations, we got to ask why, and then we got to do something about it. Mm-hmm. And man up is that do something yeah. about it part. <laughs> I think yeah. that's what's great about Memphis is that Memphis is a city with a lot of problems. I don't think any yeah. of us are not cognizant of that. Yep. But what I always tell people is what about this city is so important to me is for those problems that we have, there is somebody or someone Absolutely. or some organization working to fix it. Yes. Um, and so that's just my my Memphis cheer segment brought to you yes. by yes. me. Yes. Well, yes. and particularly in education, and you are the perfect example of this, we are creating solutions and innovating around education reform in a way that the rest of the country is turning their heads and noticing. Mm. And so mm-hmm. the fact that, again, you are getting, you know, Calls from our first lady, yeah. <laughs> first lady Kelly Clarkson. Yeah. Um, you know, to me that that is that's not just you representing yourself and your organization. It's you representing our city and our community yes, and I, I the kind Memphis. of vision that we have. So I'm, yeah. I'm just so we're thrilled to have you here today. Tell everybody before we let you go if you want to learn more about Man Up, if you want to give to Man Up, if you want to be a part um, and consider pursuing uh, a career in teaching, What? where can they find more information? Great. I'm glad you asked. Great question. <laughs> uh, yeah, if you want to learn more about Man Up, obviously you go to um, manupteach.org, manupteach.org, or you can call us at 833-626-MAN-UP, and uh, man, well, it's actually 623-UP-UP. Okay. Um, and um, we'll be glad to entertain any questions, thoughts, or provide direction. Uh, our website is is really comprehensive in terms of uh, offering the pathways uh, into teaching that Man Up can support you with. And, and for those who may already be in schools, I think that's important to also call out because there are a number of uh, individuals who may already be teaching 
but they uh, are, you know, they feel like they they need to grow more or there are school leaders out there who may have a diverse staff, but, you know, they feel like their their males may need some additional coaching through an organization such as Man Up. We provide a, a whole gamut of support services and we're getting ready to roll out more uh, to schools and school districts to say, hey, not only do we want to support men coming into the work, but we want to help them stay. And we also have training and learning opportunities for your staff as a whole around, mm-hmm. um, you know, equity in education, cultural competence, teaching, um, you know, just a number of um, professional learning opportunities that we feel like we are uh, really poised to, to deliver at a high level. So uh, manupteach.org is the easiest way to get in touch with us. And, um, hey, you can email me directly, <laughs> P. P Washington at manupteach.org. It's not hard. Just uh, my name, P. Washington at manupteach.org. And if you can also give through our website. As I stated earlier, we are 100% uh, uh, supported by philanthropy uh, with hopes of, with in the near future, roll out these professional learning opportunities that will obviously um, uh, some districts can purchase, and those funds will support us bringing in more teachers. So manupteach.org. And uh, thank you all for having me today. Thank you, Dr. Patrick Washington. We appreciate you being here. Congratulations on all of your success. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. And uh, y'all have Curly coming on next. Yes, uh, we do. So you might see him in the halls. Yep, yep. (laughs) Cohort one. He's he's a phenomenal young man, and I'm uh, glad to have him. But thanks again, and and I'd be glad to come back anytime. Wonderful. Have a great day. All right. Thank you. All right, guys, C.J. Harris is here with us now, and he is a New Memphis Stride alumni, a New Memphis Embark alumni, an Educator of Excellence winner. He's done all the great things with us, but he is also a first-grade English teacher at Promise Academy Spring Hill Elementary School. So we're super excited to have you here. Welcome. (laughs) Thank you. I'm glad to be here. (laughs) Um, So first, I'll definitely say I was first grade last year. Oh, you've um, changed. Fourth grade lead teacher. Yeah, I know if my scholars were to hear this, and they'd be like, (laughs) "Yeah, they're like, we're not first graders." (laughs) Yeah, they're like, "Dude, are you not going to shout us out?" Yeah. But uh, yeah, so I have my fourth grade class right now. I just stepped away from uh, for a little while to come talk to you. Oh, so okay. So I did not know that. Love (laughs) to know that. What is the biggest difference from like first to fourth? The biggest difference is definitely um, the ability to understand directions yeah. <laughs> and then the emotional <laughs> stability. Like, uh, um, yeah. And it's actually a lot different than you would think. So when I'm saying emotional stability, first graders are a lot more constant. You can you can know what they're going to do they're a lot easier. They're predictable more. Yeah, yeah. They're, they're a lot more predictable just because... Right now, they don't have all of the basis on what I want to use to make an informed decision. So instead, they go off of how you feel at the moment. Uh, a fourth grader can remember a thing that happened there when a kid said, your head looks like a lemon. And then <laughs> they'll remember that for the next The week. rest of their and lives. Then, yes. <laughs> yeah, that will adjust how I have to teach them because they may not be feeling like giving their best in the right. class. And for a first grader, it's usually a matter of like a hug and mm-hmm. a secret handshake. And then we can bring it back. So I think, yeah, the emotional stability as well as just understanding directions. Fourth graders, <laughs> I don't have to be as clear and concise as I do <laughs> with uh, my first graders. Ah, interesting. I just had to ask that question right off the bat. I was like, what would be the most, as someone who has never been an educator in any form or fashion, just I was very curious at how that mm. would change. Um, but here we are. Well, tell <laughs> us, I mean, obviously, um, so – 
how long have you been teaching and what is it that motivated you to become a teacher in the first place? Um, to be honest, I've we been love dedicated. <laughs> yeah, there's a couple different ways that you could take that story. I think the most prevalent defining factor in me being an educator is simply the fact that there weren't too many other things that struck me as a major impact when I was growing up. I only ever wanted to do three things in life. Um, one was be a firefighter. Two, uh, growing up, Jurassic Park just had came out, and the science behind that was really, really logical. And I thought that you could definitely volunteer to be a dinosaur or be able to put your genetics into a dinosaur. <laughs> so I always wanted to be a dinosaur. And then the third thing was like, man, if all of these things don't work, I'll be a teacher. The backup plan. Yeah. And so um, I realized a lot later on, probably around fifth grade, that firefighters, those, those suits, the temperature isn't very pleasant. And so I checked them off. Especially the when next to yeah. a fire, yeah. Exactly, right? <laughs> when you have to be by a fire. Who said you had to do that? That's crazy. Yeah, you cross that one off the list, not happening. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And then uh, dinosaur logistics. I think after a couple more Jurassic Parks, I realized that maybe yep. we're just not technologically there we're not right ready. now as a people. And so <laughs> then I decided to focus on my third um, my third love, which was, which was teaching. Uh, and honestly, it probably is the most impactful because the teachers I had growing up, I uh, moved here from Germany. When I moved here from Germany, I didn't understand very much about everything that's going on. And Memphis is a very exciting place mm -hmm. to be uh, when you're not from here and you're trying to learn and understand the kids here. Because it's a different breed. It's, it's, it's an exciting group of kids and flavorful, I like to call them. <laughs> and so <laughs> I had I was on a pretty big learning curve, but I had two amazing teachers and they were actually best friends. And I had one in second grade and I had one in fourth grade. And they gave me the confidence, like keyword there, confidence to want to learn and to to know I could learn at a high level. Mm -hmm. uh, prior to them, I was uh, very introverted and, and really wasn't sure of myself. Mm -hmm. And now growing up and, and being an adult and being able to do the things that I've done I realized that they planted a seed in me that sprouted and grew this amazing person who I've grown to be as a man, and I truly love it. And so I was like, hey, if I could just do that, if I could plant a seed mm -hmm. for someone else, then I did what I had to do. And so I decided to dedicate myself to learning how to become at my craft the best I could be. That's perfect. Like, you're really taking that journey full circle of – you had someone believe in you and gave you this gift of like realizing education is something you were really passionate about, but also just really wanted to, you know, you gave up your Jurassic Park dreams <laughs> and to pursue. So I think I read an article once where you said one of your greatest challenges as a teacher in Memphis was keeping students' trials and tribulations far away from your classroom. And so I thought, that was really cool and kind of speaks to how you just spoke about your journey as a teacher. How do you start to even do that? Well. You're like, the answer is multi-pronged. <laughs> I like, yeah, I'm a, I'm a fan of uh, being really clear with my answers. And sometimes those do take different tangents. Mm -hmm. But I think in just the efficiency process, I would uh, I would say that it comes with creating relationships. 
And it's not creating relationships with just the scholar. Mm -hmm. You've got to go before, honestly, before you create your relationship with the scholar, you've got to go meet the parents, the family, whoever it is taking care of them, whoever it is supporting them outside of school. You've got to get there first and you've got to build confidence in them that you can do your job and that you're going to be what's best for these scholars. And um, I know whether or not, you know, I actually was, I've never walked into a classroom not believing I was going to be what was best for these kids and mm -hmm. to help them grow. I, I've i never not believed that, hey, this soil that I'm bringing to this little seed is not going to be the best possible for the situation. Mm -hmm. So um, I think having that relationship, building it, and then coming back after you've shown the kid and the parents like, hey, yeah, I'm here. I'm not going to fold. I'm not going to bend. And I'm going to make sure that not only are you at your best, but I'm going to hold you to being your best consistently, even after you leave my classroom. Um, and and that, I think, would answer that question. No, that perfectly answers that question. You're very much working to establish that base of consistency for these students. And also just that trust, I think, is so important. And you're really working to build that. But like... Just hearing you speak, there's no question of why you were chosen as one of UMIPS's <laughs> previous educators of excellence. Um, kind of talk, we would love to hear more about your experience just through our work in the STRIDE program, which we will talk more about later. But kind of what did becoming an educator of excellence mean to you? And what did you do with the gift? So uh, the first thing I did was I reached back in a very polite way. And I reminded a lot of people who said that, hey, maybe this is not for you, mm -hmm. that <laughs> it's not about what you think. Or it's not about how you think it. Uh, I'd rather show with actions. So I had my teaching uh, path, my teaching career definitely was one that it, it, it took some strength to get through. And uh, there was a lot of tribulations and trials. But all in all, I think that New Memphis gave me an opportunity to speak at a, in a platform that would show that that I not only that I could do this job, but I can do more, and I can I can show Memphis like a different a different picture than they've seen. Like I feel like there's amazing educators here, and not always do they get an opportunity to uh to have a spotlight. And I learned. Like, this is not me being naturally good at this craft. This is me learning from so many educators whose voices you will never hear besides the classroom that that we're here and we're doing this work. And this work is getting done at a really high level. Mm -hmm. And then once I was able to have that kind of a platform, I branched off and I have a nonprofit now. Uh, so I'm downtown every Saturday uh, from 1030 to about one. Uh, we close about 35 to 40 homeless people oh, per wow. week. Um, not only that, we Harris Educational Advancement Foundation, by the way, but uh, we support socio-emotionally uh, families in urban environments, uh, giving them financial literacy, as well as a SEL curriculum that allows not only the parents, but the scholars to be able to understand and deal with their emotions in an effective and healthy manner. So all of that kind of came from, you know, New Memphis recognizing the work that I had done. And you can only be extremely grateful that I was able to show and continue to do this work, you know, throughout with you guys. 
Well, Patrick, who was here a little bit earlier, was telling us, you know, as he was sort of recounting his journey to, you know, how he started Man Up. Um, and one thing that, I, you know, really rang clear to me is all the different programs that he participated in to help both develop his skills, continue to grow from, you know, being an educator in the classroom to being a school leader to running a district. Um, and I know you've, you know, obviously you've benefited from New Memphis's programs and others, but I'm curious you know, I think what you said is so important. Um, it, you know, you don't just wake up one day and go, I'm going to be a teacher and I'm automatically the best teacher that there ever is. It requires, and I think that's one thing I really want our audience to to understand that, you know, this is a, this is a, a very high level skill. It's a, it's a tool, it's a muscle that has to be uh, used and built and stretched. Um, so I'm curious, you know, in your day-to-day -day in the classroom, what is it, you know, I, I'm trying to frame this question in an elegant way, but how how do you use those skills? What what are some lessons that have really made a difference in how you teach and how you approach your work? Well, I think honestly, every day in the classroom is a is a is a chance to edit, adapt, tweak your your skill and your mindset. A, a teacher's toolbox, uh, as we'll say, is literally filled with as many tools as you can possibly find. And a lot of times you won't use them all the time, but you've learned them at some point, you've gained them at some point within the classroom. So for me, um, I think that I I use all of those tools really consistently uh, in the classroom because I've seen so much. And being in environments with scholars who um, may not have had the best start, you know, in their educational career, but that doesn't mean that when you're when you're in there with me, you won't get the best. Especially if I know how to do it, and especially when you're open to communicating, I think that that's probably the one thing that, as an educator, I've learned that communicating effectively, no matter and teaching is important, you no know, and curriculum is important, all of these other factors. But if you can communicate effectively in a in a personal level to these scholars. Everything else will 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 work itself out, and the way to be able to communicate effectively is to be able to utilize all of these different tools because there's so many different types of learners and so many different types of communicators. Us as adults, uh, I may prefer you to show me it, you know, and you may prefer for someone just to tell you, and there may be a mix of both right. for for you, and all of that comes with just being in the environment and seeing it happen. I actually haven't stopped teaching. I don't think. In maybe like two or three years, I go straight into summer school. I don't really take too much time <laughs> off. And so I think that's just giving me an opportunity to receive all of these different lessons from so many different scholars because everyone, it's, it's not a one-way street when you're an educator. I think the thing that makes educators educators is the love of learning, not mm -hmm. so much just regurgitating and feeding, you know, but also receiving and I've learned a lot of life lessons from my scholars, uh, how not to quit, you know, when your Legos get knocked over <laughs> or, you know, this word is just not making sense, Yeah. but I'm not going to give up. I'm not going to give up. So I've, uh, I've seen and I've learned a lot from them. And so since I've learned a lot from them, I take those same skills and I give them back. I try to refeed that back into the environment every time I'm in it, classroom. 
I think that's a really great way to put it. And it kind of, one of my questions for you was going to be, you know, what is your favorite part about being an educator? And I think you really started to go into it just then, like Mm -hmm. the impact you're having and what you're seeing happen in your students' lives, right? Like, it's just kind of, I think that's something that's very unique to teaching as a profession is you actually see the result of your work directly on these students. And so, I don't know, I'm always like, I get very excited about the education landscape in Memphis and like what you guys are making happen. But I, we have Teachers Appreciation Week coming up. Mm -hmm. It is coming up next week. And so a great question for you as an educator is, I know people sometimes wonder, you know, what can they do? What do teachers really need? Do you guys really need another mug? Do you need like cookies? Like, so like from your perspective, what are some things that people can do to celebrate teachers, not only this coming week, but in totality, like throughout the year? (laughs) Okay. Um, I think teaching is a craft that, I'm just going to be honest. I think teaching is a craft that (laughs) is surgical in nature. I think teaching is a craft that you have to be careful. You have to be precise. You have to be trained and you have to be focused. Mm -hmm. I think you have to push yourself to a level far beyond, you know, the norm. And I think all of that isn't necessarily reciprocated financially in the best way. So I think that maybe let's figure out some kind of a way for someone who's doing surgery, you know, in the, these child's mindsets, uh, changing how they think, changing the way they perceive and grow and creating uh, mm-hmm. functional adults, you right. know, should maybe be fi- financially compensated in that way. So let's let's find a way to even that playing field. Mm-hmm. I don't think uh, the education landscape has changed in, in too many years. And I know that there are so many amazing teachers out here who shouldn't have to go two and three jobs up just to make ends meet. And and seeing that all the time just shows me that you got it's gotta be in you, not on you. It's mm-hmm. gotta be in you, not on you. If you're gonna if you're gonna do this craft because you're not gonna see it, you know, in the pockets. It's gonna be um emotionally there for you. It's gonna be seeing that pulling up at a birthday party and mm-hmm. the whole family is like, he's here. Uh, <laughs> it's like, um, Seeing your your first grader, I've all, I've had a football team every year that I've well so far it was the second third year that I've been teaching, and so I've watched you know my first graders get on my team you know now that they're old enough to, and I remember that being a goal of theirs like I'm going to make your team and I'm like all right if you say so <laughs> and then we'll see <laughs> they're there and then they're making plays and they're looking at me like. I made this thing that I wanted to have happen, and I it, it fills me to no end. And I think that that for me is a huge payment. Is payment enough? Mm-hmm. But if you wanted to go out <laughs> here and you wanted to figure out how to to really just sweeten that part, yeah. let, let's find a way to make that happen. I no, I think that's a that's an excellent point and one that mm-hmm. we try to um, reiterate here at New Memphis that. If, if we are demanding excellence in our mm-hmm. classrooms, which we need, if we need to have high-talent teachers, we have to consider that they they could be delivering their talent in other sectors for mm-hmm. far more money. And, I, you know, you are a great example of that. And, I, you know, while we are rolling into Teacher Appreciation Week, we are appreciating teachers. But, you know, I think it's so important that we not just shower our teachers with gratitude mm. because you can't you can't deposit gratitude yeah. in the bank yeah. doesn't pay the bills and not <laughs> to assume that um you know the 
the reward of teaching for a teacher is enough. Um, so, mm -hmm. you know, we, we certainly are behind you there. So I would, I would also add though, even though those are romanticized thoughts, um, I'm a, I'm a realist and mm -hmm. I would definitely say I am never, I don't think too many teachers are, but I am never against a good mug. Okay. Um, <laughs> like my scholars have been going above and beyond. I'm a fan of Harry Potter and I have some Harry Potter pins. I got some socks. Um, Which house are you, CJ? That's what I need to know. Well, listen. <laughs> We can talk about Harry like, Potter. How much time do we have? I have the wand. I have my wand in the car. Oh, you know? I didn't know what was going to happen in here, so I was like, "Let me just keep it close in case you know, if a Dementor comes in here, you know, I'll handle You're business." You're ready. You're ready. I've, I've never go. been. I've never been timid. So always resolute. Um, but no, I'm, I'm Gryffindor. Okay. Uh, and honestly, yeah, that is probably the only way to slide me out of the classroom because if Wizarding somehow became win, like real, an option. <laughs> I'm out of there. First, first trip. <laughs> first thing smoking. Like I love my kids, but I'm getting on a broom and it's time to play Quidditch. So well, Memphis will cross yeah. our fingers that yeah. wizarding never comes to fruition. I mean, yeah, if it ever does, it'll be a dramatic situation. But I can assume, like that's going to be the only way for me to just leave them without necessarily. <laughs> I mean, like you guys are going to be good for whoever's got you next. I did a good job, and now it's time to catch a snitch. <laughs> Well, CJ, again, we're 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 both grateful for um, the work that you're doing in Memphis classrooms, um, but we're also grateful for all the support that you give New Memphis uh, for being part of our work and for being such a wonderful spokesperson for the work that we do. So, thanks for being with us today. Uh, I hope you have a great Teacher Appreciation Week. Well, thank you, guys. I really <laughs> hope you get all it. the mugs. Okay, yeah. man, I am a fan, and I have way more mugs than I do actually cups to drink out of at the house, and. I'm okay with that. Right, at this it's point, the I'm sacrifice like, okay. you make for teaching. Exactly, <laughs> right? Just the efficiency of a handle, you know, really just pushes your hydration to the next level. There you <laughs> go. <laughs> yeah, but thank you guys. I really yeah. appreciate you having me. Thank, thank you. Thank you so much. Bye. All right, guys, thank you so much for listening to this episode of Meanwhile in Memphis. As a reminder, you are hearing us live on WYXR right now. And if you want to, I'm going to make a call to donate. WYXR is also a nonprofit who elevates voices like ours that you hear and their other amazing people they have on their program. So visit their website at WYXR.org to do that. And also, while you're on the giving train, why don't you just head over to NewMemphis.org and give us a gift as well if you like what you hear. Um, thank you so much for listening today. Anna, do you want to tell us a little bit about Stride and how people can apply? Yeah. So as we mentioned at the top of the episode, our Stride program starts every year around August when school gets back in session. We're looking for early career teachers. So teachers who are in their first, second, or third year teaching. Um, it is a free program. It is a program that is going to offer you amazing, high-quality professional development. It's going to offer you an amazing community of other teachers who are deeply committed to improving their craft um, and giving back to our city. Um, it's, a, it's a really unique and beautiful experience. So if you are a teacher, if you know a teacher, if you are running a school or running a district or know somebody who's doing that, go to our website, newmemphis.org, click on the program stride. You can learn more. You can nominate teachers and you can apply. Yes. And last thing before we go, if you're not following us at the New Memphis on social, you really need to be because next week we are hosting our Teacher Appreciation Week giveaways 
all week long. So if you are a teacher, if you know a teacher, let them know, get them to sign up and you can be entered to win just by following us and commenting on the post for the week. So we have some amazing partners in the community who have given us great gift certificates and things to honor our teachers. So be sure to follow so you can get involved at the new Memphis. That is our handle. Go do it. Amen. (laughs) All right. We'll see you next week, Memphis. Bye. Meanwhile in Memphis is brought to you in partnership with WYXR, produced by New Memphis and hosted by Anna Mullins Ellis and Christy Mullen. For more information, please visit newmemphis.org. Audio for this show is recorded and produced by the OAM Network. For more information, please visit pod901.com.